0: Welcome to The Self Starter Show. I'm your host, Steve Clare, and on this show, you're going to be hearing from entrepreneurs. You're going to hear about their wins that got them where they are, their losses, and everything in between, as well as the advice that they have that helped them along the way, along with bonus solo episodes of my personal secrets of life, success, and empathy sprinkled in for you, the listener, like chapters of a great book. Each episode will provide you with a bit of a cheat code to success and happiness. All right, Ruben Pinner, uh, a homie of mine. Um, I've known Ruben for uh, many years now. We reconnected summer 2020 on site looking at a property. Uh, Ruben, he will tell you about his business, what he does. And um, yeah, we met because a mutual friend of ours was looking at a a vegan deli that he was going to be opening, and he needed Ruben to come by and kind of look at the bones of the space, to check out whether or not it was going to be a huge renovation and whether or not it was actually a good space. And that's when we rekindled, and we've been friends, and we've gotten closer since. Ruben, thanks for coming.
1: Of course, thank you for having me.
0: Um, so I guess. Let's just, let's first start with, tell us about where you are right now. Tell us about RYL.
1: Sure. Yeah. We have two divisions of what we do. We're RYL group and we're Verde development. We are real estate developers and general contractors. So we wear both hats, which is kind of interesting. And we are extremely vertically integrated, which a lot of companies say they are, but we are from in-house architecture to design work to GC and development.
0: So what type of projects falls into your wheelhouse?
1: That we also have two divisions. One is we renovate high end apartments for clients of yours, clients of the height team and other brokers as well. And on the development side, we build ground up. So we're building a 10 unit building in Crown Heights, Brooklyn right now. We just closed on a property to build uh six Crown story. Heights
0: is uh, St. Mark's? Correct, cool. 669 St. And Mark's. How, how far along are you in that? How long ago? did you start the process?
1: So we bought the land about three years ago, but by the time we got the construction loan and the financing and the plans in place, we actually put a shovel in the ground, April of last year. So that
0: was April, 2021.
1: April, 2021.
0: Did did the whole, did everything with the pandemic, did that slow things down a lot?
1: It slowed down the plans process and it slowed down getting the bank loans. We had a commitment from a lender, but unfortunately during the pandemic, they cut us down. So we had a then, pivot and raise more equity for the project which thankfully we were able to do and now the building's topped off we should be finished probably by november of this year so it's about a 20-month project soup to nuts and it's going to be a 10-unit condominium project
0: amazing um and with a project like that um are you mainly seeking that in brooklyn queens is does it matter we look everywhere
1: so mostly we're in brooklyn um we're also in upper manhattan sometimes in harlem we do look in prime manhattan but we really like the Brooklyn neighborhoods. We like the feel of Brooklyn being a suburban feel, yet you're still 10 minute drive or 10 minute subway ride into Manhattan.
0: Now, the places that you're looking in Brooklyn, is it a lower, lower, uh, I guess, price to entry?
1: Depends who you are. I mean, we're looking at the condo market in Crown Heights for about 1,200 a foot.
0: Right, so, well, I would think that doing these projects in Brooklyn or in Queens for that matter, it's lower cost to entry than say buying the same space in manhattan
1: oh correct 100 yeah. i mean we bought the land for about 250 a square foot when land in manhattan is probably going for 500 a foot so half the price but we also just did close on a property in north williamsburg which we bought for 450 a square foot which is basically manhattan pricing Damn. but at the same time when we finished the building the condo market there is about 1800 a foot which is compatible or comparable with Upper East Side, sometimes get you on know, the Upper West Side, you know, Midtown. So we are doing a higher end project within Williamsburg, Brooklyn, which is comparable to Manhattan.
0: Got it, and I noticed that, uh, I didn't even think to bring it up. what do you think of the home? We just saw 29 Downing. So we just saw 29 Downing. Beautiful, beautiful house. Um, as a developer who has built your own business, What are your thoughts on what they've done with the space? This is a carriage house built in 1829, and they did a full gut reno. I think they did a phenomenal
1: job. I mean, everything from the detail that Alex and you were talking about to Mm -hmm. me was stunning. You know, with the original wood, the sucking elevator pit, or excuse me, the fire pit, which is behind us. They kept the old world charm with making it more modern, which is exactly what a developer and a builder should do. So I think they really did a phenomenal job, and whoever buys this is going to be living in a phenomenal, one-of-a-kind property. Do you remember what the sticker price is? I think it was about 9.9 million, right? What do you, yeah, 995. What are your thoughts on that? I think it should sell very fast. Yeah, right? I mean, we're in a great market. This is such a unique opportunity with the live work, the huge garage downstairs. We were talking about earlier, you could park five cars if you want downstairs. And location. Location, location, location. You're as prime as you could be, the house speaks for itself.
0: Amazing. Um, so that's what you thought of the home. Let's talk about you. How you got to where you are. Now you started RYL. How many years ago would you say?
1: So about four years ago, we started the company.
0: Four years ago. So you started in like 2018. Correct. Um, let's Let's rewind. So you. So for re- for reference, Ruben went to University of Rhode Island with my brother Corey, which is how I originally know Ruben. Take me back to graduating college, what, 2013? No, I'm sorry, oh, 2003?
1: 2003, <laughs> I wish, 2013.
0: All right. So you graduated 2003, where are you, where are you going?
1: Yeah, so, graduate college, like everybody else, not really knowing what I wanted to do.
0: Right, so that's, what, 13 years between graduation and starting your business. Let's, what happened in those 13 Correct. years?
1: Correct, so after college, again, not knowing what to do. My father's an architect. So I got lucky in a situation where I I knew about construction, I knew about architecture. My father works with my mother, she's interior designer. So over the dinner table, all I would hear about is architecture and design. After college, I worked with my father doing architecture, studying the zoning, the codes, the back part of how to build an infrastructure of a building. I liked it, but I wanted to be more hands-on. I wanted to physically be there and watch a building being built my father introduced me to a close friend of his who was a builder and this is in 0405 and we ended up buying two buildings in Brooklyn one in Clinton Hill and one in Williamsburg Brooklyn we started putting those buildings up they were beautiful great buildings Was that Hart Street nope Hart Street was later on this oh. is 195 Classen Avenue and another building on North 8th Street which so happens to be the next door building to the one I just bought 15 years later that's Which is- awesome. So you never know where you're gonna be. The other thing about construction real estate, like I said, you never know where and who you're gonna meet. I literally bought a building that I made an offer on 15 years ago. I bought it a month ago. And because I know the neighborhood, because I was friendly with everyone in the area, it's an easy transition for me to buy that project.
0: Do you think that growing up where your mother and your father were both kind of intertwined in what they did, do you think that that is what led you to kind of where you are now, where you run a shop that's completely all in-house, did one affect the other?
1: Yes, so because I have an architectural background, it really helped me learn construction and development. You know, the way I say it is, a lot of people could be developers. Being a GC is hard work to do, and being an architect is extremely hard work to do. But the fact that we could combine everything and I could look at a property and tell you how what you could build there between the zoning, the codes, the architecture, how much money is going to cost you to build and put the whole package together, it really enables me to look at projects, kind of cut through the fat of a lot of the deals. I mean, we probably look at 100 deals a week and maybe two of them are worth the underwriting and chances are we throw those two deals out the window because they're right. not
0: good. I mean, I know I... I send you probably a deal a week, if not. I try to send you five. And five I explain deals. to
1: you what's good I, and bad about the right, deal, which, so
0: you are able to learn exactly. Which is what I love about that because I see something as opportunity, and then you literally pick it apart. You're and it's the here's why not, here's why not, and then I'm able to now kind of throw those into my head. So I mean, it's kind of like you know, it it uh, it elevates my internal algorithm when I'm looking at a property, I could process whether or not you're gonna shut it down, or say, well, uh, if you could tweak it like this, maybe Correct. a core, you always say, maybe a chord. And
1: I'm noticing the deals you're sending me now are getting better and better, and before they were just, <laughs> oh, this is a deal, this is a deal, now you're realizing, uh, okay, maybe this isn't the right deal, because you're learning, and that's what it's all about. And that's exactly what we do. And yes, growing up with my father and mother in the industry has helped out. Um, the fact that I have that architectural background has helped out, and you know, taking a step back to what we did, we put, we're building two buildings, Beautiful buildings in Brooklyn at the time, the condo market in Brooklyn, in Williamsburg and Clinton Hill was probably only 500 to 700 a square foot. When now, as you know, after everything, after everything, the condo sales in Clinton Hill at the time. And one of our projects was 500 a foot. And the one in North Williamsburg was 750. So now,
0: what, 15 years later, it's like 2x.
1: More. The 750 foot in North Williamsburg is about 1,800 to 2,000 a foot. And Clinton (laughs) Hill from 500 a foot is about 1,200 a foot. So two and a half X to three X in 15 years. And that's real estate. Unfortunately, like real estate during the 2008 recession, when everybody got hurt, we got hurt. You know, we had those two buildings that we were building. The market shifted on us. We were lucky. We were able to rent out a few of the units sell a few of the units to get rid of the bank loan and figure out how to carry it. You know, the thing I always tell about real estate is during that recession, you had big corporations go under. So if you own stocks in the company, they were worth nothing. Granted, the real estate market was basically worth pennies on the dollar, but 15 years later, you're three X on your money. And that's when you bought it. If you bought at the discount rate, you could have been at five
0: times. Do you think that's like the power of New York or would you say that's real estate everywhere or is that just the power of real estate in New York?
1: I can talk mostly for New York because I'm a New York developer, but speaking to everybody else that I know in other states, it's the power of real estate. I mean, even now, look at it during the recession, right. not recession, excuse me, during this uh, pandemic, everyone, oh, New York real estate's dead, New York real estate's dead, everyone's leaving Manhattan, and now we're sitting in a $10 million apartment or a house that I guarantee you will be sold within a week.
0: Yeah. Which is crazy to think how much like how much money is out there that like this is just not to say this this is just one of the many ten million plus dollar listings in New York City, but it's as unique, which is why you're saying it will fly off the market. Oh
1: yeah. I mean New York's all about uniqueness. You know, there's a lot of cookie cutter apartments out there. This is not. What we try to do is not. You know, one of the things we also build is we build under passive housing guidelines, which is an extreme energy-efficient way of building. I have a business partner who lives in Italy. He's a developer in Italy. He's doing a lot of projects there as well. And it's his passion to build eco-friendly, energy-efficient buildings, and it's now becoming a passion of mine.
0: So all of your new builds going forward, starting with this one in Crown Heights, everything's going to be energy-efficient?
1: Correct. So we have, energy efficient heating systems, air conditioned systems, hot water heater systems, all European technology. We have triple pane glass windows, what is solar panels. What pedals. is a triple
0: pane glass windows? So what does most, that do for energy efficiency?
1: It reduces the energy by 75%. So in a nutshell, our apartment's electric consumption should be at 75% versus any other building next to ours. So if you're spending $1,000 a year on electric, mm-hmm. our building you only should be spending $250 a year on electric. It's also a better quality of life for the end user.
0: Does having an energy efficient home, as you're explaining, does that affect the purchase price? So let's say you're gonna, you're able to tell someone, you know, your electric bill will be $1,000, like, uh, what were we saying? Uh, 70%, 75% less per year. So instead of selling a home at 1,700 square foot, you can get 1,850
1: a square foot. Yeah, so we are gonna, push up the price per square foot and it's not so much about the electric it's really just also about quality of life it costs us more money to build but we're giving the clients a better quality of life for example the average size bedroom has enough clean air to last two hours before you're breathing in stale air so technically you're supposed to open your window every few hours we live in new york city you know you open your windows it's noisy most people don't do that we have energy recovery ventilators within our building that's constantly taking out the bad air and bringing in fresh air we have solar panels on the roof extreme insulation basically most apartment buildings when you touch the windows in the winter it feels cold ours will not be like that and vice versa in the summer it shouldn't have any sweat on the windows because of the way we build a building Also, no mold.
0: Is this a U.S. technology?
1: So, passive housing is a standard that's are in Europe. It's starting to slowly come into America and into New York. It's more well known in Europe, but New York is going that direction. Part of the Paris Summit, per a lot of the requirements that's happening, New York is changing, going away from gas. So, in the next five years, New York City wants any buildings seven stories and under to not have any new gas. Wow. And in seven years, any new building seven stories and over, no gas. So the next seven years, no new product going out there will have gas, because gas is not an energy efficient product. Right. Same time, you'll notice a lot of times in commercial buildings now, you have an energy rating. The city's changing You're their saying rules. that's
0: like the energy rating, um, like one to 100, right?
1: It's an ABC rating, similar to what you see for restaurants. But
0: it's like ABC, but then it'll have like a, a- a number under Correct. it Correct, well, right? a number underneath it. So, like, let's say, like, like in school, like, if it's an A building, it'll be, like, a, a 92 and up. 90, Correct, energy the rating. 90, whatever So they're saying that you have
1: a great energy rating for the building. What the city wants to start going towards is taxing building owners that have a bad energy rating in order for them to fix their project, fix their building, to do exactly what we're the So that's giving to, the incentive.
0: They're going to tax them higher if they have a low efficiency. So if you have a... A D efficiency rate, so the way it sounds is if you have a D efficiency rating, here's your tax. If you have a C, it's a little better, but it's still kind of shitty, correct? And it incentivizes them to either fix it or go electric,
1: correct? And it's because we're all wasting a lot of electricity every day. There's a lot of energy that's involved with producing electricity and producing gas. And that is also why we have the solar panels on the roof of the building. We're not in a big solar gains area where the solar panels will really do a lot. In the ten-story, ten-unit building I'm doing in Crown Heights, I would say it's going to probably be a fifty to seventy, probably a seventy-five dollar a month savings on electric bill having the solar panels. Yeah, but up. it adds up. Especially a, in a condo a, a little here, a little there, adds up.
0: Right. It's, this is a condo where someone is intending to live there for some time. They're not just renting for a year.
1: Correct and it's gonna be a much better quality of life for the end user. We can't have any mold in the building because I can't have any air leaks. In order to pass my passive housing certifications, I need to do different tests, which if I fail, I have, that means there's air leaks throughout the building. Right. So I have to make sure it's an airtight sealed building and it's giving the tenants a much better quality of life. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying not only to build buildings, and have people look at a beautiful product. We're trying to give them a better quality of life.
0: I love it. What you're doing is probably, we're gonna look back in three, five, six years from now, and we're gonna say, wow, how are they not doing this sooner? Yep, exactly. Um, If you're cool to talk about it, I know that there's been some, everybody has hiccups. There's a time when you felt defeated, a time when some shit went down that you kind of second guessed. What the hell am I doing? What was like? What was a rock bottom moment while you were building your business? If you want, you don't. Yeah. Maybe, no, not, a mean, there, bo- maybe not a rock. Maybe not a rock bottom moment. Bottom, moment but, were there but
1: two like, major issues. One of them, like I said, was in two thousand eight when we had the recession when the world was upside down and I had no idea what we were doing.
0: Were there any developers at that point that weren't upside down?
1: Everyone was. Right. The ones that had the money and were able to figure out how to buy the buildings at 30 cents on the dollar, made off, and are laughing themselves to the bank now. But for the young developers, <laughs> I was 24, 25 at the time. Yeah. I didn't have deep pockets or investors like that. It was very tough. So that was a tough situation. And then it's also just maneuvering the marketplace. You know, After that, I went back to doing architecture, not sure what I was gonna do, started pivoting more construction, I did team up years later with two other developers, builders, okay. that I tried becoming partners with. I was partners what with them. What year was this? Now we're talking... So uh, if you started, if you started your business in
0: 2016, this was...
1: 2012, 2013. Okay. Um, so the recession was 08. I bounced around, just did little projects here and there because the market probably went from 2008 to 2011 where right. it was kind of a remember, little
0: shaky. I remember that th- that lull. Oh Yeah,
1: but we all managed to get through it, thankfully. Kay. I wasn't doing development, I was just renovating apartments and projects for other people. And then I teamed up with other partners, probably around 2013. Thought it was gonna be a good fit, but the way I look at it, sometimes partnerships work, sometimes they don't.
0: What was the relationship that you had with these two other developers before partnering up? Yeah, I knew one of them uh, through mutual friends. And the other one was a friend of that? No, I
1: introduced everyone. So yeah, so there's three of us, I knew one of them through mutual contacts that I had, and the other one I knew through mutual friends. I saw a good fit for all of us to work together. I put us all together. Unfortunately, like I say, partnerships sometimes work out, sometimes they don't.
0: What was the the best part of starting that partnership when you first started it?
1: We had a beautiful project in the works that we came together for that one project, and we did see a need that we all brought something different to the table. But it ended up not working out, you know?
0: When did you see it kind of going south?
1: I would say about a year into the partnership, I noticed. So the the
0: first year was rainbows and butterflies.
1: Like everything else, obviously Uh, everything is going great. Everything's going well until, you know, I always say it takes a business two, three years before it can become profitable, give or take. You know, sometimes other businesses take longer, but for real estate development, construction, because by the time you look at a project to the time you buy it, finish renovating it, sell out, you're looking at three years. Right. You know, real estate is not a short-term game; it's a long-term. You know, that's for condos. Obviously, rentals are much longer. Um, so the first year it was just analyzing the deal, seeing how we all work together. Once we started the build out of the project, that's where we started butting heads a little bit. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. Was it
0: like three alphas trying to, you know, navigate their way through this new partnership, and things just got worse because? this idea was great, but this idea was great, but they both couldn't happen at the same time. Yeah,
1: you could say that, you know, it's just three different personalities right. uh, coming together, trying to work together, didn't work out. But again, you know, I wish them the best of luck. It actually worked out for me. You know, I took the good from it. I took the bad from it and well, what, realized out what, of what the I bad,
0: needed. Out of the bad from it, what'd you learn?
1: You know, the best partners is yourself. You know, I mean, I have or your ideas, father or my father yeah. family, you know, the family I my father's a part in everything I do. No, no matter what, I'll always have him as a partner in what I do. I got to where I am because of him and the knowledge that he's brought me. Shout out, Larry Pinner. Yes. Yeah, still practicing. You know, my father's 73 years old. He doesn't like uh, me to say it, but and he's still practicing and loves architecture. I, Architects never retire.
0: I They never retire. So I actually, you know, I brought Larry on as a consultant for one of my jobs, um, solely cause he's just, you know, he's an OG. He's the man. Yeah. He's, the, <laughs>
1: there's that one person that meets him. He was at a meeting the other day and a client was like, now nah, I see where you get it from. Your dad's the man. Yeah. I go, I know. It, yeah. He makes you look bad cause he's so good. <laughs> um, but yeah. So I realized, you know, bringing on families the best. I took, you know, what I learned from them, which is great. I, learned a lot from both my business partners, just like everything else in life. You know, you learn from everyone you meet. You and I talk a lot, I'm learning a lot from you. You're learning a lot from me, and that's what you take on to the next one. And that's honestly the best way to be either an entrepreneur or a business person is learning from everyone around you, taking what you can and figure out how to become a better person, a better builder, a better developer, and just a better business person.
0: Amazing, and you have how many employees now?
1: Yeah, so as crazy as it sounded, a year ago I had no one, and now we have six full time employees. So, six full time employees in one year.
0: And about to sign on a new office.
1: Yeah, looking for a new office in the neighborhood. Six full time employees. My business partner now lives in Italy. He comes to New York, you know, once a month he's here, and we're looking to buy a lot of different projects. And everything we're looking to do, again, we're not just here to be a developer, make money, and move on. We want to leave an impression on the world and that's why we build passive we want like you said in five years from now for people to come back and look at the world and be like, oh wow this building was built under these guidelines before it was really popular and, and it, we live in a great building
0: right and that's that my ne- that was gonna be my next question where do you see where do you see yourself where do you see the business in five years from now
1: doing bigger projects picking and choosing the right locations. We like bigger
0: projects, like a 20 unit building Yeah, ground 20, up the, or yeah,
1: most of what we do is ground up because right. it lets us kind of stretch our creativity minds. You know, a lot of the product we're buying right now are from Italy as well, which is really nice. We teamed up with a company called Lago. Okay, um, What do they do? They do high end kitchens, vanities, and all furniture design. We teamed up with them. They're Italian based company and they're giving us the most beautiful kitchens for our projects vanities we have a our guest bathroom vanity has a glass sink that's curved so the water goes into a trench drain and you can literally see this on the floor from the sink the it's something you never see. it's the, gorgeous Yeah, that,
0: that sounds beautiful
1: so we're giving the clients a higher end product
0: who do you use for your doors
1: we have different companies we have this door company right now out of italy as well
0: i got a great door i got i got a great door company if you need
1: please the more contacts, the better. You know, we wanna give the clients a better product, a nicer product, in the same time, like I said, a passive pro- housing project, so it's a better quality of life. And that's what we're about. Yes, we're developers. Yes, we're here to make money, but we wanna make sure a client walks in, this is where I wanna live. And that's what our goal is. You know, we want somebody to walk in, and say, I love this place, this is my home. And so we give it a lot of thought and design into doing that. And we try to have fun doing it, let's be honest. I tell everyone who works for me, we all get stressed every day. I see you stressed, I'm stressed. As long as we can laugh at sometimes and have a good time, that's what matters the most. I love it. Um,
0: Are you reading anything right now?
1: Give me a good recommendation.
0: I have recommendations for days. Uh, Can you recommend a book, anything? A book, maybe another podcast, something that you either read or listen to that someone else could really Get a lot out
1: of. It was years ago. I haven't read a book in a while. I have a 19-month-old daughter it, now. It, it so could have been. Good night to- Moon is my new book of there choice. We go. Good night, Moon. <laughs> Good night, Moon is my book of choice. Which, by the way, <laughs> the Good Night Moon book I read my daughter is the one my mom read to me when I was her age. Don't ask me how it stayed in the family for 40 years, but I have that book and I read it to my daughter. So
0: now. I don't know much about Good Night Moon. Um, I do have a baby on the way. It is is it a metaphor or is it actually just saying good night to the moon?
1: Just good night to the moon. Good night to the stars. Good night. to All everything. Right, So
0: if I'm trying to find a metaphor out of it, just thinking too far into it.
1: Yes. <laughs> but a good book I read a long time ago was uh, the Nike founders book. Uh, Shoe Dog. Yes.
0: Yes. Shoe Dog was fantastic. Great, great book. After I got uh, about 75% of the way through right when it like got to the Michael Jordan part and I kind of knew everything after. Yeah. So I, I finished it, but everything leading up to that was all new to me and it was super motivational. Yep. Um, and it really just like, it really just kicks in passion. Uh, and when I say that it kicks into really follow your passion and don't let someone tell you you can't do something. Correct
1: and also listen to other people. I mean, if you read the book, there's a lot of things that he didn't wanna do, right. but he listened to people around him, which is just what we're talking about, take from people you know, friends you know, clients, and go with it, and that's what he did, and that's why Nike's successful. There's certain things, which I'm not gonna talk about, you know, <laughs> in just in case somebody wants to read the book, that he did not want, and he ended up saying, okay, let's do it anyway, and that what's made Nike successful.
0: Amazing. Uh, Ruben, Pinner, R.Y.L. Appreciate I appreciate Good luck with you, this. This uh, is a great
1: thing happening.
0: I appreciate you coming to 29 and Downing today. This is an
1: amazing, amazing house.
0: The, uh, the amount of history that's gone down in this home, including this right here, is special.
1: I like it. I like it. i Am a dude? I appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Thanks for coming.
1: Anytime.